It's lunchtime and the Brooklyn Cafe is open for business. Live from the Amp Media Studios, Dawn and Freddie S. and their team are ready to serve up a huge portion of fun for lunch with friends and neighbors. So let's break open that lunch pail and unwrap that sandwich you brought and take a front row seat in the Brooklyn Cafe and get ready to enjoy some humor and hot topics. It's time to get a healthy serving of hope and happiness to help your day go by with a smile. Your host, Dawn and Freddie S., are ready to talk about food, health, dating, or just plain dream making. If you have a story to share, movie review, restaurant critique, or just a coincidental thing that happened to you, call in toll-free 888-994-4995, Studio A, right now. Sit back and enjoy your lunch break at the Brooklyn Cafe. Here are your hosts, Dawn and Freddie S. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Brooklyn Cafe on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Welcome to our fireside chat, book fireside. club style. Did I you like this? I love. Did this you whole... ever have a fireplace? Sure. That worked. Yeah. Not one of those cotton candy fireplaces. I got a cotton candy real. one now. I had a real one at the old house. Yes. I had a real one, and I brought it back to life. My house was built in 1920. Wow. I had this fireplace. It was humongous, and it was painted. So my father says, take the paint off and get the brick back. So I did that. It took me forever. Something called zip strip is what I used on it. So now I have a checkered paint fireplace. There's paint spackle. What kind of stone? Brick. So I said to my father, okay, dad, now that you made me do all this work, how do I get the speckle out of the poorest part of the fireplace? There you go. So he says to me, don't you know? I said, no, Dad, I don't know. He says, I want you to think about it. So I'm thinking maybe he's stalling, right? All day, we were working at my house. He wasn't stalling. He wanted me to think my way through it. He says, here's a brick. I said, yes, Dad, this is a brick. So he takes a hammer, he breaks the brick. He takes a lighter, and he heats up the brick. And he goes over to one brick, and he scratches the brick to brick. And the paint went away. Really? Swear to God. How would you ever know that without him showing you? My father used to think that I knew everything. Wow. So he says, now you got to do this to the whole <sighs> thing. So when you do that, you have brick dust. It's a mess. Right? So if you turn the fan on, is the brick dust going to evaporate? He no. says, think about it. And I go, Dad, you're killing me. What do I got to do? So you put a clear shellac on it. It's not shiny. And that fireplace was there for 17 years, never lost its... Was roots. it shiny? No. You just put a dull mat. Yeah. Nice. With the brick, rub brick to brick. Well, Have you ever is, heard of that? This is our Florida fireplace. No, I've never heard of rubbing a brick to brick. Never heard of that. But I love this whole little set we've got going here because we are announcing our Brooklyn Cafe show, Summer Book Club. So I'm excited that we've got that going. We've got Paul Solomon. We've got Frank Ruffolo joining us amazing author and so many stories have come up in this past hour that i've been doing i have to tell you this crazy story um, so you know we had paul on tell us your biz on monday night and ananda uh -huh. and we had chris farrell which was great uh -huh. and monday night remember i woke up tuesday and you're like what's wrong i said i was up all night i did not sleep at all so i didn't tell you this weird dream i had because you, you would tell me it was kind of creepy so because of rose did her show on monday and rose told me that the angels come to you between three and five o'clock in the morning. So when you wake up between three and five o'clock in the morning, you should remember those messages 
because that is when you're at heightened awareness that the angels and the guides are speaking to you. Now, you know, I didn't tell them the story, right? But now I can tell you the story. I'm eating my popcorn. So at 4 a.m., I'm dreaming about Ananda. Not in a creepy way, just like, why is Ananda keep coming to my dream? So I keep waking up saying to myself, you have to remember, there's something about Ananda, and she is the connection for something. And I remember thinking, this is bizarre. She's your future family member. She's 26. It's not our demographic. It's, she's not a client. We're working with you. It made no sense to me, but it kept coming over and over and over again. And I didn't tell you anything until I spoke to you. And then I remember thinking I'm a little disappointed because every time Paul is on the radio, Paul gets a phone call. And I thought, well, I'm dreaming about Ananda, which is weird. Maybe it was for her night and Paul didn't get anyone. And then Paul walks in and tells me this story that someone actually called. They called Ananda and she was the connection for you. So I guess that was your father sending me this message. I don't know, but crazy, there it is. Crazy, right? Crazy totally how it works. Crazy. The amazing thing is... I told you the story in public. <laughs> no, no, I, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, it happens. Everything, uh, things always happen when he's in a room. No matter where he's at. Yep. But the real deal that I want to ask him is you went to New York to buy into something. And did you do it? We didn't buy into it. Just it was really more a reconnaissance kind of seeing and understanding how the system was set up. Um, seeing how they ran their business in New Jersey, because there is not one between here and New Jersey. Um, it's all over the world, the product, right. uh, mostly in people's homes. 90% of this, we'll call it a machine, is sold to individuals. But over the last two months, it's kind of come out and people are developing businesses based on this technology. So we were going up to New Jersey to test the technology see what the operation they had and how it was working for them up there and you didn't buy in yet we didn't buy in but is that final you're not going to do it or you're still thinking about it? no we're still thinking about it we're actually going to drive over to tampa because somebody had um this technology over in tampa but lost his lease on the space he had and this was over the last month or so so he we didn't know he had the technology there it's not set up. It's in storage right now. Really? So we're going over there probably in August, middle of August, to go talk to him about what he thought about it. He's been involved for 10 years with this. Really? Um, and it's all about energy. Um, it really is. It's, it's, it's wild. I mean, I felt the effects. Well, it's the concept of do you have to see it to believe it or do you believe it? before you see it? Can you believe before you actually see or feel the results? And you're sitting next to the perfect person. Well, in, in this case, again, it, a lot of it is mind, right? Everything right. between energy, frequency, and mind. And as I was sitting in there, so Susan was in there for four hours a day. Wow. I was in there for between an hour, an hour and a half. And there were other people coming and going. And it was interesting, one, I wanted to see the demographics and the dem demographic, surprisingly, was older, not younger. Really? So the technology that was, that's out there, surprising to see that an older generation, meaning we were the youngest. What so does it do? Is it helping you much like the Beamer or the quantum mat that we had? Is it helping with inflammation? It's the quantum field, yes, yes. It's really your DNA. It's affecting your DNA. So it's, it's kind of the, the, good, the good example is being recharged, where somebody said you have a cell phone and you plug it in, well, when you plug it in, what's happening to the cell phone? Between being having its updates, right? Besides being charged, it can get updates. Same thing with this 
technology is, is kind of updating your DNA. It makes you see how it feels. Right. But Are you don't know it until, and you had said to me, it's almost like you have to do packages because over well, and over again. And that's what we learned. So people, just like anything else, everybody's looking for the quick fix, looking for the pill. And um, this is an ongoing thing. So like we knew by going up there for a week, our life wasn't going to change. We wanted to see that within that week, if we had some effect, Susan did, I did emotionally more than physically um, through meditation. And we've talked about this a little bit. Um, really, I'm on my journey. It only really started two years ago. And if we talked about this, you know, past two years ago, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. But what, it, what I experienced when going to Dr. Joe Dispenza and going through that whole process, um, it's probably been a year where I've kind of felt that I've tapped into my meditation. And last week, um, after about an hour and a half, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, it was Wednesday, because it was Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday, I walk out Wednesday, I'm crying. And I'm walking out, and the lady that was there we became friendly with, because she knew we drove up from Florida and to, to experience it, she's looking at me like, are you okay? Because again, you don't know how people are gonna react, and right. she didn't know me, and I start smiling. And she's like, I guess you get it. And I said, absolutely, it was, it was unbelievable. But it's just a feel. Well, I'm excited to see more of what comes out with that. Yeah. It has been one of these, I'm so happy that you shared that story and the energy. Mm -hmm. And then I've been messaging this woman who I told you, we've interviewed her years ago up in Delray. She's with the entertainment field. And she's working with someone who's creating a movie, and you happen to be sitting here, about David. So it's a biblical story. So they're heading over to Tampa to do a movie premiere, and then um, going to be heading over this way. We're going to do an interview. I wanted to ask you, are there different types of energy field mats? Is this a mat? No. I okay. mean, really, it's set up a couple different ways. One is they call it a cube, of which you can have in your house. Um, which is what we were leaning by the time we got done, because yeah. you need it constantly. It can't be you, you go for three, four days, or you go once a week and you're gonna get the effect. It has to be an ongoing situation. This room had 24 screens, so, f so picture a bank of monitors, six in each corner of the room, and they're calibrated to a certain way so that they're kind of, you're in the middle of it. So it's building this field. Huh. So you're sitting in there, and again, you don't hear anything. The monitors are scrolling, and it looks like codes, which it is. So it's like coding, and they're the just mic? going. I had blinders on, and I, was, I had meditation mm -hmm. music on. Mic? So that's what I had on. So I, you're not hearing so anything. How did you feel differently, though? Just melancholy and totally relaxed, just, you know, just in this zone. And again, knowing that I got there is because I was emotionally crying. I mean, I was just started, not sobbing, heavy sob, just, just, I couldn't stop crying. I walked outside and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I knew what I felt. Maybe some people, if they felt that, they, had, they would have no idea what's going on. I knew this because I felt it a year or so ago. Is it based on frequency? Yeah. Okay, now it makes a whole lot of sense. Again, there's strands. And again, this is beyond my pay grade. The DNA is there's 24 strands. That's why the 24 monitors. So again, it's calibrating within wow. us. Can it repair DNA? Sure. Or well, it's going to do something to it. It can repair, but nothing. You can't say it heals, cures, or anything else right. because everybody's different. You know, it's not FDA approved per se, but we know of it doing unbelievable things. 
And one of the main reasons why we wanted to go is because a friend of ours' son has autism. And we know it helps people with autism. So we were trying to figure out how that we can get him to be able to sit there long enough for like a session. And it's going to be hard for him to sit there for that period of time. But maybe if it's in the house and they're just going around their day or something. Right, and it's not cheap. And it's not it. cheap the technology. So the, the cheapest way to get it is um, this cube that you can have in your house for fifteen thousand dollars. So it's fifteen thousand dollars. And insurance doesn't cover it. No, but that's like the Beamer that which we have cost us six thousand mm -hmm. dollars. That I know physically has helped me. You know, it's really funny you talk about frequency today because we have Frank in the house as well. I'm excited to Frank in the house. But there are different things that create different energy fields you know mm -hmm. when you're happy there's a whole different thing that happens to your body so if you're like in a stretch of depression or anxiety and something snaps or something good happens you feel and they call the chemical releases mm -hmm. and all this stuff but it's really your frequency that's changing that's creating all this other stuff that happens reading a good book having a book or something that lifts your understanding of what it is that's going on also works in that dimension what I'm surprised about that I didn't know until today is that Paul is actually plugged in. Mm. Okay, I mean, he's actually, your frequency levels um, are changing, mm -hmm. for lack of a better understanding. Yeah. That surprises me. So with Paul, I get surprised a little bit every day, a little bit more because things change. But this ride that you and I have been taking the last three weeks has been spectacular because energy changes, frequency changes, people change. And that's what we've been looking for is that change, hopefully for the better. So it doesn't surprise me that he was going through that right now. No, not at all. And Frank is joining us. I'm excited to kick off our summer book club series. We're going to talk about these books with author Frank Rafolo and... We've got this new show I'm talking to Sally about. So, yes, the energy. So you ask the universe, which I do every day, to put those people in our path that are in alignment with us. Now, I met with Frank, and you know what she tells me? <laughs> we should have a book club with Frank. Well, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> that's what he said to me. That's a good idea. <laughs> so there you have a book club behind us. That was a good idea. We're going to talk about how to set that thing up, what's inclusive of the book club, because there's going to be... A couple of things that go with it. So you had the book club, the traditional, a couple of added things, maybe a little wine, a little vino, a little music, a little nice. breaking the action so that you're going to want to join this book club and hopefully there's a waiting list. See you're all about nice. it. I know. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, let's talk to Frank. Let's talk to Paul. Let's get our summer book club rocking and rolling. We uh, have our fireside chat here in Florida. The air is down. It's a little warm to be here. Warm? Please Planning for the future should not be painful and needs to be discussed. From health, family, finances, allow qualified professionals to aid in your planning. Luhu Advisors have been serving South Florida for over 30 years. A licensed real estate broker, insurance agent, assisted living administrator, and certified senior advisor, Paul Solomon is the most qualified and well-rounded advisor for any task. 
specializing in real estate, long-term care, life insurance and annuities, social security, government benefits, and senior housing. Luhu Advisors, let us help you. Known for his Art Deco Cubist style and compositions with dancing saturated color, Ken Bieberman has lived and breathed art his whole life. From the early 80s, he's influenced the Art Deco district of Miami Beach. Featured in numerous restoration projects, hotels, galleries, and clubs, Bieberman creates for everyday folks and celebrity clientele. He's also the proprietor of Art Repro, a giclee and scanning company in Pompano Beach. When it comes to scanning high resolution, size is not an issue. Professionally scanning art up to 10 feet and 64 inches in width, Art Repro utilizes state-of-the-art equipment. On quality canvas or paper, archival ink and printing mediums are put to use. Art Repro ensures colors are true and every nuance of the art is captured, including the canvas weave. Perfection is the priority. Contact artist Ken Bieberman today at 954-547-0095 or visit his website www.artrepro.net. Hi, I'm Dawn Clifford, owner and founder of Clifford Insurance Advisors. Established in November of 1999, we focus on mainly health, life, disability, Medicare and long-term care insurance. Specifically for people aging into Medicare or the self-employed or even employee benefits for small business owners. We can be reached by phone number at 561-880-0391 or by email info at cliffordinsuranceadvisors.com. Visit our website at www.cliffordinsuranceadvisors.com and even visit Facebook, Clifford Insurance Advisors. Being a successful woman in business means having the courage to own who you are. We understand the challenges faced by women and we are here to help. Our team is here to develop the best strategy designed just for you. Your path is unique and with the right tools you can accomplish your dream. From radio to TV, from podcasting to magazines, we create the visibility to amplify your impact in business. At New Dawn Media, we are here to help bring your message forward and help your business flourish. It is time for your message to be seen and your voice to be heard. Contact us at 866-224-5422 or brooklyncafe.tv. Your voice can make a difference. Welcome to Movies of Del Rey, a family-run movie theater that has been serving the Del Rey and Boca community for over 30 years. Open Wednesday through Sunday, Movies of Del Rey offers great admission prices, low concession prices, and quality customer service. Movies of Del Rey provides the quality of the big box theaters without the price tag. Movies of Delray 
provides new Hollywood content as well as new indie and independent movies. It truly is a hidden gem. Whether you're hosting a private event, party, or fundraiser, or are looking for your next date night activity, Movies of Delray is the perfect choice. Come on down to Movies of Delray, located at 7421 West Atlantic Ave in Delray Beach, or visit us online at moviesofdelray.com. You've been watching the Brooklyn Cafe Show. Join us each day and after hours as we talk about the hot topics to open the conversations and share a few laughs. Now, back to Dawn and Freddie S. That is the oldie station that we're pumped into. Look, she's cold. Who? Katie. That means, you know, it's working. We're keeping it cool in here. It's just getting comfy. Well, getting comfy on this fireside chat we got going on. All right, let's talk about this. Tonight at the movies of Delray, we've got How to Please a Woman. Are you going? Actually, since we're doing some stuff here tonight differently, I probably could That's if why I wanted I you to. Set it up. Uh oh, not at all. Yeah, I see you going. I think they're sold out, but maybe we can. Um, maybe she I can call in a favor. <laughs> she told me last night. Now I'm not going to go because they're going to have male burlesque. I don't go wherever there's male burlesque. I don't know. It could yeah. be fun tonight. Movies of Del Rey, no, ladies' night, my drink. ladies' <laughs> night party and screening. <laughs> <laughs> you can learn a thing or two. She says how to please women. Look, I gotta cover my drink. That's why I don't go. That's why he wanted you to sit here with me, so he could be a guy. They're not saying a word. Frank told me to say that, by the way. Party starts at 6:30, featuring an all-male burlesque review. There it is. Angel Secret, specializing in lingerie and adult novelties. Say yes to sexy. Okay. How in the world is a male burlesque mean sexy to a woman? It depends what they look like. Suppose they're all horrible. What are you going to tell me now? Then it would be nothing. You see, this is all. This but is if so they're, sad. if they're, you if know, what? good looking, then they're sexy. So I that guess makes a an, woman feel sexy that you got a good looking. No, it probably makes me feel unsexy actually. But then we've got Dr. <laughs> Stacy Friedman, the intimacy coach. She's going to be there after the screening. Are you sure she's going to be there? I don't think she's sure. <laughs> $12 per person. Uh, movies of Delray, you can check it out at moviesofdelray.com. So check it out. You have a famous author sexologist with some hulky, sweating men. And that's going to make me, the female, feel sexy. I'm just trying to put my hands around this. Let me see. Sweat? How many men are going to be there? How many what? How many men are actually going to be there? Just the burlesque guys. Okay. Everyone I mean, would you woman. go if your wife wanted to go? It's no. not open for men. Oh, it's not? No. So why she invite me for I thought she invited me. Maybe she wants you to be in the burlesque she show. She said, you and Dawn, make sure you're here. It's going to be a, a fabulous... Oh, Maybe I'm go. not allowed to go into the movie theater. Then we should go because yeah. you're not coming back here, so you should go with me there. Are, are you insane? Why? <laughs> I just told you why. Cow the drink and the sweat and the... Just go see the movie. 
No, because it's going to have male burlesque all over the seats. I don't want. Well, my I think my I philosophy know. is, if I was hungry, I would not watch somebody eat a steak. If I was <laughs> nice delivery, Frank. You want to go? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You want to go to the movies? No, I should go. I should invite your mom. This is so up your alley. I got, I'm going to call her since our our night is changing tonight. Maybe I'll go. Poor Charlotte. Her name is Rochelle. Poor Charlotte, poor JC, and call her mom, and you guys go. Okay. See, if it was something like How to Please a Man, and they were putting some kind of movie up there, I'd be like, I take the boys. Mm, thank you, next. Isn't that that song? I take the yeah. boys, because yeah. it's a whole different. Thank you, next. No. You have women dancing. Back to come in and women be friends. What does that have to do with anything? Because clearly they're not your friends. Anyway, you ready to get into our book club? You've been meeting with Frank all morning. Yes. So much so that you guys are even dressed alike. So check out our IG and vote. Who wears it better, I think is how they phrased it, Frank or Freddie. So we yeah. definitely have to get the side-by-side -side of you guys. Don't, 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 hate, the, don't hate me. Don't I love the it. I love Down to the shoes, except Frank went all the way out with it the is. boots. That's because he is an artiste. So tell me what we're going to be kicking off. So what we're going to do is you're going to see more and more of Frank. We're going to introduce Frank the Man because he has a whole bunch of books. And these books break up into different type of categories. Some of it, like I'm reading here, The Pope and the Mafia, that whole thing that you got going on in here. Yep. Uh, I was an altar boy for a long time. And I sort of know a little bit about the <laughs> Mafia, a little bit. And it's interesting because the Mafia used to support the Pope and all of their inklings, even during World War II with the cigarettes and all that. Mm. So this book, how this whole thing, I guess is a main character. This is part one or two of another series. That's the second book of the series. Of the, the series. The main protagonist are drawn out of retirement to help the Italian government stop a hit on the Pope. And I'm, I'm gonna start reading this one. See, this is right up my alley. Why? Because there was a lot of times I wanted to call the mob when I was an altar boy. <laughs> Why, though? Because, you know, religion is, 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 is tough. When you're young and they tell you different things about religion and you don't agree with it and stuff like that, you sort of get a little bit... Disenchanted little, with it? Well, not disenchanted, but you get all wound up in it. Like, I never knew that Catholic churches were built huge. Huge to make one feel smaller, because there's a greater being. Mm. Is that true? But that's where that's they, they weren't always me. like that. But I guess, I don't know. Well, everywhere I've gone has been like that. And then I wanted to get married in St. Patty's Cathedral. And again, this is, again, I pick up your book and I feel its vibe. Mm. And these stories just flow out of me. So I wanted to get married at St. Patty's Cathedral to Michelle. And I went down and I thought it was really nice for her, you know, to get the pomp and circumstances and all this other stuff. And I go and I meet with the priest and he says, oh, we'd love to have you. I said, wow, but you have to take a test. I got a what? You have to take a psychological test to see if we will permit you to get married. True story. So I got a little bit angry at the priest and I says, who are you to tell me whether or not, and he ends up being right because I ended up getting divorced. That's the kicker to the story. But it was the whole thing of the day, the way they make you feel. 
Um, and he's, he was asking me questions. He says, we think you're too young. Maybe that's where I get the young thing from. Maybe. And I couldn't get married in St. Patty's Cathedral. Because you wouldn't go for it. So this is where you would start, not on book one. No, this is, I'm going to start on book two. Okay. Maybe work from two to one. Okay. Because I read stuff a little bit different than everybody else. Um, but this has a different meaning. When I picked it up today, I looked at the back and, and I walk around with it. You'll see me start walking around with the book. But this has a lot to do with what Paul was talking about. Energy. I, I get different feels. For, I'm very sensitive to my fingers. You know, God gave me, said to me, you're going to have diabetes because for years I had to pluck my fingers for that stupid exam. And it made my fingers even more sensitive. So I eat with my hands and they make fun of me. I eat burgers and it's all over my hands. But there's a reason. And they don't understand the reason. I eat popcorn. I eat, I use my hands a lot. And then I was taught biblically that truth lies in one's hands. But that's a different story. But what I wanted to ask Frank is I want to focus on this book today. Okay. Um, and what I want to do is I want to have a book club. Okay. Where people can come in, they can sign. We can put the rules to the book club. Frank is going to give us the rules to that particular book club, whether it's dressing up, um, reading some of it, acting it out. I know that Josh has another book. So depending on what the book brings forward, there's AC in here for the time being. <laughs> it's cool. It is nice in here today. You could catch a show. You could have the book club and be. You could do a lot of stuff. People in New York City right now are going to the public library because they don't have any AC. This is a true story. It was on the news today. Probably true. So they noticed this group of people just sitting there. Doo, 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 doo. So I said, what are you doing here? He says, I came in because it's too hot. I'm going to stay here until closing. Because who the hell wants to go live in an apartment where it's 107 degrees? So I got the idea that a book club can be kind of interesting. Where you can talk about the book, see how it makes you feel, meet the author, do a few other things intertwined. Maybe even put uh, a piece of paper where if they need services, like what happened to Paul on Monday. Because you never know, right? And now, you would you know. recommend this book, Frank, to start a book club with? Yes, I would recommend any of my books to start a book club with. So you don't need to start with number one? No. Uh, you can get a better idea of the characters with number one. But, but they can stand on their own. They can stand on their own. Have you ever done a book club? No. Never had any of your books that you know of in a book club? No. All right, let's kick it off then. I love it. Now, this book club can move around here, radio station, remotes, whatever we do. And I want to kick it. The only thing is, I got to find some loyal readers. You. I'm not even a reader, but I'm willing to give it a shot. I like to look at the pictures, right, Paul? Yeah. Who Picture does all of your artwork pictures. for your covers? I do. Really? You do that too? Of course you do. He's an artist. Oh, did you know that? Well, those are yeah. just, that's uh, non-royal, those are pictures I get on non-royalty sites. That but you say you're going to bring me some of the sketches you do. I have some sketches and yeah, I've got some artwork I do. So I can now, do you do the sketches and then write the book or vice versa? None of my sketches are on any of my books. Really? No messages? Those are, non those are you get that, you, you go on the internet and get non-royalty sites that have pictures and I look for a picture that's going to represent what I'm writing and that's what I have. Now when you write these books you have an idea of where you're going with it. I have an idea for the story but I have no idea where I'm going with it. 
And you are in the process, there are five books that your editor hasn't even looked at. And she's still working on another book that you left. So you have like six in the can and you're starting to write a new one? Yeah. I'm starting to write a new one, which is the, which would be the next in the sequence of my sci-fi trilogy. So now it's going to be four books. <laughs> How long does it take you to write a book? Five weeks. Who the hell writes a book in five weeks? That's unbelievable. And these are Sometimes not... Sometimes shorter than five weeks. But these are not small. You no, know what I'm saying? They're not small. It's a lot of pages. It's a lot of pages, right? Yeah. And I started to read chapter one. Now, the interesting aspect of an author is your, your material sort of touches off on people's lives. Like this one, me being an altar boy. I mean, I got stories. To be, you know... The back where the priest pours the wine, and then they put water. But do you know why they put the water with the wine? It's not the Bible. Why? Because that wine is so strong. Yeah, dilute it. Yeah. They got to dilute it. Now, when I was 12, I was drinking that wine like, forget about it. So when I got married in this church, my uncles, and some of them rest in peace, decided to invade the church is one. They said, where do they keep the wine? <laughs> and I said, and I was 12. I said, they keep it over here, but you're not allowed to drink it. They took it out. They're cracking it open. And they're the ones that said, Oof, this thing is strong. And they're pouring water into it. It's like Manischewitz. I was going to say it's Manischewitz, right? <laughs> no, Manischewitz is light. <laughs> this stuff is like... Grappa. So, like grappa. See, it's going to be like grappa. So a priest does from six to ten, six different... That's why they change, because they're drunk. Stuff is strong. <laughs> I don't think so. So you're going to start the book club with this one? So you want to call all readers? Yes, all readers. Um, but the bottom line on this thing is that the particular book is what the readers are. The hardest part is that he has so many books. Now, will this book stir up conversation more than some of the other ones? That book should start a conversation, yeah. And that's the key There's to the book club. interesting parts in that book. Now, there's nothing fictional in this book, right? There's no truth. This is all made-up stuff? <coughs> yes. For the most part. For the <laughs> most part. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, um, there have been stories, and there are stories, and you can believe the stories. You don't have to believe the stories. Um, it's really based on your faith. It's whatever you believe in. When I saw The Godfather, I was a kid. And it was pretty interesting the way that whole thing came about. Is it true? A lot of wise guys that I know will tell you, oh, it's absolutely the truth. And others will tell you it's all made up. They all deny about the mafia doesn't even exist. So it really depends on which one of the books. So I'm thinking we took pictures of each book. And opening up a book club on each one, with the back being. Uh, I think you have to start with one book club, and then intrigue them, ask the questions, stir up the conversation, ask the author, and then you go on to your next one. Well, you can, or you can date it. So this will be the first one. That'll be the second one. Okay. The, you can date it. I don't know. I haven't joined a book club since I was in New York, and I had a real interesting book club. Because my wife used to go to work, and I used to stay home watching the soap operas. 
and make phone calls for my business at night. So I opened up a book club. So Michelle says, well, who are you going to invite to the book club? So all the guys used to go to work. So I used to call them and says, why don't you come and hang out with me? So they used to take turns on different days to hang out for an hour for the book club. Was that a book club or a bookie? <laughs> You're the only one that would pick that up. Thank you. But it's funny because we didn't get too many books. <laughs> we didn't do too many books. But you and the women were just hanging out? We were hanging out. And then I took it on the road. So, you know, Joe's Hanging place. out at OTB probably too, maybe. So it's funny you So read us the back that. of that book. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned OTB. How do you know about OTB? Of course. That's because he was down by Yankee Stadium. What's OTB? Wolf Track Betting. Mm. Okay. I'm going to enjoy my book club, my fireplace, and my popcorn. Think about a building that has every horse race, every betting, gambling, everywhere, before there was casinos that did it. Mm. So you used to go in there and you used to bet the horses. And you would win, they would pay. There was one on Westchester and Gun Hill Road. And next door, there was a bar. <laughs> where everybody went to drink. You going to read it? Yes, because clearly you're stalling. You read it. <laughs> yeah. In the sequel to the Trihedral of Chaos, set in beautiful Italy, the Pope excommunicates members of the Mafia for ongoing crimes. In retaliation, a leading Casa Nostra family teams up with the Caliphate to kill the Pope. To protect the Pontiff, is it Pontiff or Pontiff? Okay. The Italian government enlists the aid of longtime friends, Chick, Angie, and Gio, who come out of retirement to stop the plot. I know, because it's a Pontiff. But he's, he stalled well, didn't he? How did the ideas of this come to you, Frank? Wow. Because there's been a lot of controversy. Well, I knew in the past that I believe it was Pope Paul was complaining about the Mafia, that he needed to do something, that they were controlling too many things. It wasn't right for the church. And there were some car bombings that occurred in Rome in response to what the Pope said, and then the Pope went silent, didn't say anything again. This is again. a true story? That's true. So. I took that concept and expanded it. So not a far reach, right? Because people have speculations on things between church and state, right? So this is not a new thought, but your callings and your ideas come from a higher authority, as they say. I have a muse, yeah, Archangel Uriel. So what you said about waking up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, if that, you keep doing that on a constant basis, that's your angels telling you something. Because that's when they speak, between 3 or 4 in the morning. So that's one of the shows we do. And there's another spiritual show coming forward um, called Call Me Xena is going to be the name of this one. So I'm looking forward to seeing your artwork because this woman was never an artist. I never was either. And she had a spiritual awakening with her walking. She calls this gentleman her guide. Um, who helped her get through whatever stages of the awakening and now she paints and a lot of her artwork hangs in Studio B. And she works when people ask her questions. 
and she her questions are more answers are more of why we're here what higher level of consciousness it is she does psychic things as well she threw out some names to me yesterday and asked if they meant anything and of course they did but so she throws that out but so i'm interested in seeing your artwork so your ideas come to you in the middle of the night sometimes they come to me all time all you know the voices never stop i get ideas all the time and you just have to jot them down i did no i try to i try to because a lot of times you forget if you don't jot them down you forget but then you they, forget. they just i i have never had writer's block so i'm lucky that way they just constantly there it's interesting that the, the ideas come in the middle of the night so i knew that when i was having that dream right so it's kind of kind of interesting but more and more things in the spiritual realm are coming forward. What's been some of the feedback on this book? The feedback? People reading it, writing Amazon reviews. They like it. I mean, they like, they like the, con I bring up a concept of a secret police that is part of the Swiss guard that protects the Pope. Ideas that are probably... Whether it, they legally do or not is what I put in that. That's, that's, wow. the, that's the twist in that book. It's called The Order of the Ravens, and that's why I chose that cover. The cover is a raven sitting on a cross. Do you wow. do research before you do your books? I do a what? Research. Oh, yeah, all the time. I have to. So there could be an ounce of reality here it about the be. ravens. I have heard that there is a CIA type organization that works for the Pope. I would absolutely And works for that. the Vatican, attached to the Swiss Guard. It's now like there a, was a time- it's like, it's like the Pope's secret service. Well, there was a time yeah. when the Pope and it was the Papal States, right? They were a country. There they was are. a time back in history when the Pope used to be their own country. They had the well, the Vatican system. is their own country, but there was time where the Pope was almost like a head of state. They they controlled a lot of. They still do. They business, control a lot. And they of still business. control a lot of business. They bought in. Um, I know they were involved in the cigarette business in World War Two. Well, yeah, but it's because even before that, the Medici's got involved with the Pope, and they controlled all the most Italy. So that was, yeah, they were. They were a big organization. They were a big organization. And it's pure business, right? I mean, you're talking about guys that get together and. Um, and they come up with a concept and they do their thing uh, and then they got believers tons and tons of believers isn't the Catholic Church the largest organization in the world? Uh, I think so but uh, Islam is getting close isn't it usually like a business with a little bit of religion thrown in isn't that a lot of you know life in general organized religion yeah I think organized religion is a whole lot of business going on. And organized religion is big business. Every religion. It shouldn't be, but it is. It is. It's become, yes, 100%. And it's changed, I think. Well, that's a whole nother, well, whole you, nother you, show. But you've got to run it as a business because you're dealing with a lot of personalities. And, you know, when the Pope says he doesn't believe in this, everybody and their mother is going to jump on that from belief, just from faith. A lot of people. And then the other half is... Well, you know, sometimes what you don't know can hurt you a whole lot more than what you do know. Um, now, you told me about a book that you wrote because somebody wrote in and said that you had to have 
a sequel to it. Which right, book was that? Right. Xanthotero was the last book of my sci-fi trilogy. I'm not going to give anything away, but I ended with a cliffhanger at the end of that book. Josh is, Josh is probably going to realize that when he reaches the end of the book. <laughs> Josh is working on that one now. And uh, I've had readers contact me and say, the end of the book, yeah. When are you going to write the next one? What's, what happens? And I, I, I left it that way as a cliffhanger, just to keep the hook people. You ever think people will look at your books as what's coming next, kind of like a Nostradamus as... It was prophesized this and then this, well, that's and then my, this and then that. My sci-fi, my sci-fi trilogy is delves into that. You ever consider yourself like that before you were before well, you started writing? No. no. Well, that's a different twist. So you have a little bit embedded on both sides with spirit and everything else. Yeah. Interesting. So there's a message where there's a message where there isn't. Um, which is kind of fascinating because you, if, you, if you read the, the trilogies or you read the sci-fi, at the end of the rainbow you end up with a, another ideology or something else to look at. And then what's next? And it's... It just continues. See, I wish I could write like that. I can't even talk like that. That's why you passed me the book? No, I passed you the book because you wanted to read the back. Very interesting. All right, let's take a commercial break. When we come back, more with our Summer Book Club series with Frank. We're going to talk to Paul Solomon about Luhu, Let Us Help You. But it always needs to come back to the energies and the spirits and what's happening. That's because you got a couple of spirits in that Seems to be the calling. Give us a call. No pun intended. 888-994-4995. Studio A. Ever think about that? Calling in a call? What? In a what? Huh? When you say call, it's like you're calling. Back to we'll be right back. Amy Roshevsky can help you choose the right piece that will add some magic to your space. Amy Roshevsky has a wide range of art, from abstracts to mosaic tapestries, and she paints on different surfaces, such as reverse painting on glass, tables, wall hangings, and sculptures. Her work can be ordered online at amyroshevsky.com, or you can come in and see it in real time at the Brooklyn Cafe Art Gallery. She also does commission work, so if you have an idea in mind, she can make it a reality. She invites you to reach out to her at Facebook or at email at amyroshevsky at gmail.com. That's amyroshevsky at gmail.com. Have an artful day. Born in Marseille, France, Max Lazega creates whimsical and free-flowing interpretive art. His 40 years in the construction industry created the foundation for his craft. His unique work displays his view of the future with bold and playful combinations of materials and processes, but the methodology remains consistent. He fuses recycled materials and discarded building supplies into a fresh, well-executed approach. Lazega has lived in Miami, Florida most of his life, where he pursues his lifelong passion of creating industrial art. For more information, Contact Max Lazega at artworkstudios.org or 786-326-8873. Meet Jay Harmon, one of the many artists held in the Brooklyn Cafe Gallery. Jay specializes in various different art styles, but his medium to work with is colored pencils. 
His unique style comes from being self-taught in years of practice. Jay pulls his inspiration from many outlets like people, television, celebrities, and many more. With multiple original pieces, Jay's art graces the gallery with over 40 plus works for viewing and for purchase. His many years of being an artist has given him a chance to partner with the Derwant brand, giving him the opportunity to try many different work styles and further his craft. Feel free to come down and visit the studio to view his work, or if you're interested in your own Jay Harmon original, he's open to commissions on his website, coloredpencilartist.com. Or catch his show, The Colored Pencil Artist, on Amp Media Productions on YouTube and Facebook. See you soon. Hey, travelers. Everybody wants cheap airfares, but where can you find them? You call SmartFares. Our prices are direct from the airlines, and they're so low, they're not published anywhere. SmartFares specializes in cheap flights, discount hotel rooms, cheap car rentals, and great package deals anywhere around the world. Wherever you want to go, SmartFares can help you get there cheaply and with the best price guarantee. If you want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets or other travel services, call us right now. That's right, call. That's the only way to get these low rates. Experts are standing by 24-7 to get you the lowest rates available. So don't wait. Call SmartFares right now for the best price guaranteed. Save up to 50% off business and first class. We've got great last-minute travel deals, too. Call 855-828-0198. That's 855-828-0198. 855-828-0198. Artist Rosie Sherman paints her passions to share with everyone. Expressing herself through bold and vibrant colors, her suggestion and style are always in flux. Inspired by travels, nature, romance, and the human spirit, Rosie makes sure her depiction of women are strong and proud. Her landscapes illustrate the changing seasons in the diverse world that we live in. To find her artwork in the multiple medias you can purchase, visit rosiesherman.pixels.com. You've been watching the Brooklyn Cafe Show. Join us each day and after hours as we talk about the hot topics to open the conversations and share a few laughs. Now, back to Dawn and Freddie S. The United States is a maker of security risks in the Taiwan Strait with its frequent provocations there. China's military said on Wednesday after another U.S. warship sailed through the sensitive waterway. David Alexander reports. The U.S. Navy's 7th Fleet said the destroyer USS Benfold conducted a routine Taiwan Strait transit through international waters in accordance with international law. The United States has been carrying out such voyages about once a month, angering China, which views them as a sign of support for Taiwan the democratically governed island that Beijing views as Chinese territory. Firefighters in southwestern France battled on Wednesday to contain massive forest wildfires, and on Tuesday, Britain recorded its highest ever temperature, while Portugal reported more than 1,000 heatwave-related deaths as Europe scorches. Going forward, we may well see this, this type of heat across the UK more and more common. Desperate for release from the record-breaking temperatures, but this heat wave that's frying Europe doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. 
The European Union told member states on Wednesday to cut gas usage by 15 percent until March as an emergency step after President Vladimir Putin warned that Russian supplies sent via the biggest pipeline to Europe could be reduced further and might even stop. Russia is blackmailing us. Russia is using energy as a weapon. And therefore, in any event, whether it's a partial major cutoff of Russian gas or total cutoff of Russian gas, Europe needs to be ready. Sri Lanka's parliament voted by secret ballot Wednesday for a new president to lead the country out of a deep political, economic and humanitarian crisis that toppled the previous leader and has left simmering tensions in the island nation. Harry Michaels reports. The economic crisis has left Sri Lanka's 22 million people struggling with shortages of essentials including medicine, fuel and food while the government negotiates a bailout with the International Monetary Fund. And the resulting political crisis has left worries about whether a new government will be enough to fix the economy and placate a public furious at its politicians' failures. This is the latest news headlines. Lawmakers in the U.S. House of Representatives on Tuesday passed a bill to provide federal protections for same-sex and interracial marriage in the wake of last month's Supreme Court ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade. The House voted 267 to 157 to approve the Respect for Marriage Act, which seeks to codify federal recognition for same-sex marriage and strengthen other marriage equality protections after the conservative majority Supreme Court overturned its 1973 opinion legalizing abortion nationwide. Gas prices in the United States sank to a two-month low on Wednesday, with the national average under $4.50 per gallon, and in some parts of the country, the cost is around $4.00. Prices at the pump have been declining for more than a month since hitting an all-time high of more than $5 per gallon in mid-June. The drop continued Wednesday as the national average fell to $4.49 per gallon, according to AAA. Authorities in Spain said they seized a sketch attributed to Pablo Picasso after a traveler attempted to smuggle it into the country from Switzerland. Customs officials found the drawing in a luggage of a passenger who failed to declare it, according to a joint news release issued Monday by Spain's tax agency and Civil Guard. The passenger was traveling from Zurich, Switzerland to Ibiza, Spain in July. U.S. Capitol Police on Tuesday arrested more than a dozen members of Congress for participating in an abortions right protest outside the Supreme Court. A total of 35 people, including 17 members of Congress, were arrested during a protest that saw demonstrators block First Street Northeast near the U.S. Capitol building, Capitol Police said, noting they issued three warnings before beginning to issue arrests. And that's the latest news headlines. I'm Alan Edwards. You've been watching the Brooklyn Cafe Show. Join us each day and after hours as we talk about the hot topics to open the conversations and share a few laughs. Now, back to Dawn and Freddie S. Can you name this song and how many notes? Name that tune. South Florida's Good Time Oldies. South Florida Good Time Oldies, 95.3 FM, 96.9 FM, and we are back on this beautiful fireside chat we're having right here at the Brooklyn Cafe Show. Today would have been Robin Williams' birthday. July 21st, 1952. A shame, 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 shame. You know, you think about the greatness of his comedy and who he was and the stories and the movies, National Be Some One Day, and everything he did. And then you think about the pain he must have suffered and endured and why he did all the comedy was maybe too massive. We'll never know why he did what he did, but 
you just never know what anybody's story is. So everyone has a story to What's tell. What's the famous movie he did with the... Mrs. Doubtfire? No, that was one. But there was one before that that he did that he opened up a mental institution, a psycho institution. It's also Jeannie and Aladdin. Jeannie and Aladdin. Uh, but yeah. the institution one is the one that he was trying to send a message about mental state of the country and all that. And I watched that movie. Patch I was... Adams. Patch Adams. That's it. Patch Adams. Jumanji also, yeah. That's young. That's when he started, right? Yeah. But um, Patch Adams is the one mm -hmm. they got to me. That was some... Oh. You realize everyone's got a story and how they express their story. So I'm so glad we have the books here and we've got Frank here. You know what he's known for, right? Nanu Nanu. Mork and Mindy. Yep. I put him I mean, on the map. That's all the things that we grew up with. It's amazing. It's funny because I was looking at, you made me join that 70s thing. You should never have done that. It's good, right? 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm looking at all There's the 70s. 70s, things. 80s group on Facebook, which is so cool. Hmm. Anyway, more to come. All right, Paul, let's kick it off and let's start talking about Lou. I have to, we just have to talk about what happened Monday night. So you did this great show. Right. And somebody calls Ananda to get your phone number. And what are they looking for? Help regarding what? Um, it was a 70-year-old, and I'm meeting him next Tuesday, but that's kind of, I said, what do you need? You know, you're listening to what I had to say. What do you need? And he's like, I think everything. He's like, I'm getting older, and I don't know who's going to take care of me. So the first thing in my mind is, okay, who does he really have to be power of attorney, healthcare directive, or a living will so that people know who to help him, you know, and who to go to? Um, and I don't think he has any of those documents. So I think that's the first place to start. I don't know about his income. I don't know about his assets. Um, he has a house in Tamarack. That's all I know so far. But that's all I really need. I mean, if somebody says, hey, can you talk to me? I'll talk to anybody because you just don't know where it's going to go and what they know or what they don't know. There's so much, again, the, the information out there is so hard to get, even though we're in this technology world. People just don't know who to turn to or don't understand and who do they trust. And again, that's why I love doing what I'm doing with you guys, because it's helping people understand what I'm about. Because you can quickly Google anything, right? You right. can Google long-term care and you get a list of, of adv advisors or insurance right. agents. And then you can, you can Google anything. You can Google nursing homes or different living facilities. And so you're going to have all of these pieces as maybe a child that you need for your parents to get help with. But then you've got no quarterback, as you say or guide mm -hmm. to help put these pieces together. And you're looking at, I got to do this, and then they've got this. And it becomes so incredibly overwhelming that oftentimes people just don't do. Because if you go, mom and dad, you know what? I would like to hire somebody to help you. It's going to cost X. What do you think? And mom and dad are always going to say, no. no. Don't want to spend the money. I've taken care of it. Don't worry, it'll all be fine until it's not. Until it's not. I was with a family yesterday. Um, I was with the son. Two sisters live up in Pensacola. Um, they really don't want anything to do with mom, but they agreed to take mom for the weekend. So mom was up there for the weekend, and I don't think mom was up there for more than 12 hours before the son got the phone call back and said like, wow, we don't really understand what you've been going through. Not that they really wanted to help. They, they delivered mom back yesterday, and the son's having a hard time figuring out what to do with mom because it's become a burden on him and his wife. He's retired, him and his wife are retired, but now this became their full-time job is dealing with mom. 
So here I am, part therapist, trying to explain to them that they're allowed to have a life. You know, mom doesn't have to be their full-time job by putting them into assisted living, doing certain things to take a little bit of the burden off. And that's where I try to explain, and the, the son was having a hard time understanding the money aspect of it and the benefits. The mom had VA benefits already. I was gonna get Medicaid benefits. So the, really the out of pocket for mom in the near future was gonna be minimal. Her income was gonna be enough to cover her for the future. And then um, I said, well, what about the condo? And they said, yeah, that's another anchor that we have to deal with because of all the expenses with that. I said, so let me help you sell it. Then we'll take that money, protect it. And mom should be good. Mom's 85. Mom's good for the next 10 years. Oh, she's not going to live 10 years. Okay. So, but if she does, the money's there. And God forbid something happens and she needs to go into a nursing home, you'll have Medicaid to fall back on to pay for it. So you do have enough money if you listen to me. If you don't listen to me, it's just going to get really expensive quickly because they really, she really does need 24-7 care at home. And that's kind of how the conversation went yesterday. And, and they're hiring very expensive. Me. But the problem yeah. is, I think, I know, at least for me, it's that guilt of saying mom or dad is a burden. It's something you would never want to say. You don't want to feel, but yet you feel as if you can't really have your life because you have, you have to, you choose to take care of your parents. Well, I don't know. I've never understood this. If you had to, if your mother lived with you and you had to change her, and you had to feed her, and you had to bathe her, and you had to toilet her. Okay. How would you go about your daily job if you had to stay home and take care of mom? Now I understand. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I mean, again, I have people of, I mean, I'm living work? it myself. My, my 93-year-old mom is sitting in assisted living, and I've had tremendous amount of guilt. It's stressed me, my health, and everything else, but through meditation and other ways of thinking about it and saying, listen, she's on her own journey. You know, my mom was here before me. You know, she created me, my dad's been gone, but I can't help my mom in the journey that she's on right now. And I, in the beginning, I was caught up totally in that. And it was affecting me, my life, with my wife, with my kids, business. It was definitely hurting my business. And once I've gotten past that point where it's my responsibility to a point, not my full-time job, I'm doing everything I possibly can to protect her. She's clean, well-fed, her money's protected, she can go on for as long as she can. And why do I not have to see her every day when I wasn't seeing her every day before? And it took me a year or two to get through that. And I, I've gotten through that. That's strange. When my mother and father came to live with me for Freddie's wedding, I didn't want them to go back home. So I'm fighting to keep them. Now, because they were together, and they used to balance each other during the day. Um, and I used to, you, you introduced me to some places. I said, well, let me take them there. I'll drop them off and go get them. And I know a lot of people that will get them for me, or I will go get them. But you weren't the care, the provider. Imagine if you had to continue to work, support yourself and your family, and, but you had to take care of mom or dad. Well, you know, and if it wasn't your mother, it was your father, would you want to be changing your dad's depends I did. and feeding him? I and, did. But then how do you keep your life going? Well, he would not come back to live here. He wanted to die in Puerto Rico. Um, but when I was taking care of, of Freddie and Gio, and they were five years apart, so 10 years of my life, when they were kids, I had to change my career. And I had to stay home during the day and go to work at night. 
But it's different when it's your children. But not, to me, it wasn't different. If mom and dad, if I was required to change my life, then I would work at night and take care of them during the day. You know, the bottom line here is that I remember my parents did that for me. And I'm not going to say I can't, because I can't means I won't. But that's the guilt of them when you call but, it this. There's that in But I don't want to make it guilty. I want to do it because I want to do it. When Michelle's father was alive, Joe, he was like my brother, like another father. And Michelle found it a burden. Asked says, why is it a burden? He's a living human being. Now, he was a little messy. So because they're also not getting what they need. Your mom is getting the care she needs. And she's with people that she needs to be with. And the medication, yeah, and the medication's a big point, which I made yesterday. So this person, th this couple, trying to help and support the mother, they were leaving pills for her to take in a pillbox. Mm -hmm. And they realized that she was taking the pills that were supposed to be for the next morning. It was gone by that night. So, so I mean, so she can't live by herself. Yeah. And like my mom, this lady will not have anybody in her house. That's a problem. Right? And they can't have, I mean, again, it's, it could affect marriages. So even though it might True be that. you, if your wife is a certain way. True that too. Right? So That's what's the next best thing? I mean, hopefully if you have some money or the family has money, make sure they're protected, put in the right place. And now from my standpoint, I can work, have my life, have my family, but also go and visit my mom and walk away from it. And that was a big thing for my health because statistics show the caregivers get sick and die possibly sooner than sooner the ones they're taking they care of that's yeah. a fact right so and again why is it my my again i don't want to say it's a burden i don't want to use the words right. and i totally understand what you're saying freddie but again it's my health and my life and my wife yep. that's kind of more important at this moment than my mother i love my mother they did everything for me believe me i would do anything for her i've moved her i protected her i mean i know that she's in a safe place i'd run for her but to have her in my face 24-7, I, ca I can't do it. I'll admit it. I just can't do it. I got to tell you, in New York, I didn't know that these places you could take mom and dad to mm -hmm. even existed until I came to Florida. I think there's more now than maybe there, there used to be. I remember yeah. my, my great-grandmother and my aunt, they were in a nursing home and they shared a room. But it's certainly not like what they have now. There's so many different options. Well, a nursing home was, was your typical. I mean, right. so even today the older generation call it the home. They don't understand what an assisted living is or independent That's living. Right. So anything, when you, like this mother, they're trying to say, listen, you, sh you need to go into this assisted living. They took her there and they said, I'll never come to this home. It's horrible. Again, the home. So that's in their back of their mind where technology, modernization and everything else, um, assisted livings became the norm over the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. And a lot of seniors, didn't have that so everybody went into a nursing home and that's the end of life I mean, and that's this really sounds great it. if you've got the money people are saying going paul this is great because you had the money and your parents had the income that you could restructure it right and do what you needed to do and they're sitting here thinking well what if i don't have the income or my family does not what are my options what am i going to do can you help them yeah well we talk about again um va benefits so if someone was a veteran and again that generation there were a lot more you know, if somebody's in their 80s and 90s, they served. Are there now, spousal benefits? There are spousal benefits, which people don't know about. They're not as much as for the veterans. But there are benefits to help, again, for home care, going into an assisted living, and also in the nursing home. So the VA is there. And then Medicaid, which nobody understands and thinks it's people that really have nothing. 
that's where I come in and attorneys come in to say, hey, especially in the state of Florida, it's, it's, it's really unbelievable because you can't do this anywhere else in the country where we can protect the little bit that might be left to help support their loved one because that you do, even though Medicaid will cover almost everything, there's certain things, haircut, nails. I mean, that's what I get from my mom every week, every month, whatever it might be. Um, little things like that that's not covered, there's the money that's left over. Even to the extreme with my family, I had a private aid with my dad at the end. So he was on Medicaid, but we still had some money that I protected to be able to then pay for an aid. So what's a little or what's a lot, I'm dealing with families with close to nothing, but they still have too much and they're over the limit, or people with a lot that it's a husband and wife, and they know that they're, they're in their 60s to early 70s, wife with dementia, she can go on for the next 10 or 15 years at X amount of dollars a month, what's gonna be left for the husband? so we can protect it for the husband. So the government benefits are out there. Now, if you want to age in place in your home, mm -hmm. can you do that on Medicaid benefits? Absolutely. They'll offer up to 40 hours a week for somebody to come in. And that's when I talk about their house, which their house is usually one of their biggest assets. And the seniors love not to have a mortgage. They're proud of that. But we could tap into their asset without moving them. And that's doing a reverse mortgage. And unfortunately, late night TV has done a lot towards people thinking it's a bad thing, but it really is a good thing. If you really understand it and it's used properly, a reverse mortgage is a great tool that I use for a lot of families to tap into the equity of their house to be able to keep their loved one there. That's the first thing I talk about. They want to stay home? Yes. Where's all their money? Well, you're sitting in it. Okay. Do you think about a reverse mortgage? Oh, those are bad. Well, okay, now explain to me why you think they're bad and I'll tell you why they're good and why in this instance it's a good thing. And we have that whole conversation. So I kind of hit if all If you their have pockets. a mortgage, mm -hmm. say Frank has a mortgage on his home, but yep. he needs funds. Can he take a reverse mortgage even though he has a mortgage? Yes, but it depends. Okay. <laughs> so again, yes, but. Um, usually they'll pay off the mortgage first. So that's what will happen. So depending upon what's left over, the value of the house, depending upon how much equity is in the house, then depending upon what the mortgage is on the house, they'll pay the mortgage off first. Then de depending upon the equity, they'll make, give you something or they'll pay off your mortgage. Now you'll have no mortgage payment. That's not bad either. Right. Right. right because you have to pay that mortgage every month. Right. So the object of the game is if you got no mortgage, that's the plus. And then anything in between, if there is, is yes. the other added plus. I, reverse mortgages, I got to tell you. You when love I heard this whole it, idea. When I heard it, I thought it was the worst thing in the world until I spoke to him. Right. And then I spoke to the other guy, the other attorney that came in here and we talked Justin, about it. Right. Justin, uh, it's, it's, it's a move. It gives you a chance to take care of business if you got, especially if you got no other moves. And I didn't even know that it existed. So he's right on with that, I tell you. I don't know why it has a negative idea, maybe because people wanted to sell you life insurance as opposed to selling you a reverse you know, mortgage. Once they hear the word mortgage, they don't want a mortgage. They don't understand. They think that if you take a reverse mortgage out and you die, then the, then the, the bank gets your house. If there's, you know, they don't understand that there's equity there. You can leave that to your adult children. They have options. They could pay off the mortgage and keep the house or sell the house and get the mortgage, get the equity, the difference out of it. Um, I got a phone call yesterday, again, just because of the world I'm in, somebody referred me, and now there's something that's a company's coming out as of September 1st, another way to tap into equity in your house with a credit card. 
So it's almost like a debit card, credit card, where they'll give you a line of credit on this credit card. You don't have to have a reverse mortgage. You don't have to open up a line of credit, go to a bank. Based on a credit card, they'll give you a limit, and you never have to pay it back. Yes, there's interest that's accumulating, but you never have to pay it back, and it taps into the equity in your house. If you look at 1992, they did that. Mm -hmm. That came out. But it never took off because the insurance companies didn't want it. So they came up with 112 stories as to what not to do. The, the biggest one was, at the time, int uh, the interest on credit cards was 18%. Right. So they say, what are you going to do when there's 21% and you lose your house because it's based on a credit card? Right. So there was a whole big thing, stories. Right? Creative financing. Yeah. It gives you a shot. Yeah. If you know somebody who knows the shots. You know, my father, may he rest in peace, never understood that. You're leaving me with a headache here. Oh, you take care of it, you know, on and on and on. I look at your parents. You know, very complicated, though, very simple. You, but you have to indulge them in order for them to say, don't do what I did. My father, I should have forced him to come live with me. And my mom, should have forced him. Well, they have a, essentially a full-time aide in their house. I know. But there's no taking care of mom and dad like the kids. I'm just telling you from my, from my brief history with my parents. But their um, home becomes their comfort zone also. And I think a lot more... People are now aging in place in their home because they know their home. They're comfortable. They know it. They know where everything is. Or then you move them to a smaller, you know, my parents, your parents had a large house. Imagine moving them to a one-bedroom shared condo. Well, you got two different parents. You got your mom. Well, everyone has two different parents. Yeah, but your mom is, <laughs> your mom is New York, and I can understand that for you. My mother was New York. My father wasn't. My father was PR, rainforest. Farmer, sugar cane. Like Green Acres. That's right. And my mother loved the city and my father hated the city. My mother loved New York. He made a deal. My mother kept her word. My father hated it. He worked for 60 years, broke his butt doing New York. And you have the same parents. Your mom is all city. And your dad isn't. And, you, you know, therein lies the difference. Between Which is a good point. So let me ask you. Two parents. Everyone's alive. They're living together, but they're not at their maximum living together. But yet, you know, they made these vows and they're abiding by them. Do you have anyone that comes in and says, you know what, maybe you would be better here. And maybe your spouse would be maybe staying at home, but you would be better in a assisted independent situation because it can't come from a child because yeah. it's like, then you're choosing one parent over another. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I go in a lot and kind of am in the third party. You know, and I say, you know, let me talk to mom or dad. You leave, go in another room. Let me have a conversation with them. I'm not intimidating. I'm just going to throw ideas out. Sometimes that works. Sometimes I can't get through them. But I can understand, like my neighbor um, in our neighborhood, who I help get Medicaid benefits for. They were married for 50 something years. Her husband needed to be in a nursing home. And. I would see her every morning, whatever, and she would say, last night was really bad. I was up with him all night. She wouldn't have help at night because she thought she could handle it, have help all day, but they had limited amount of money. So when I got Medicaid, that helped a lot to have an aide come in and help her out. But again, it doesn't cover everything. And I said, listen, you know, you're, you're dying. You're dying. Your husband's dead already. You're dying. 
And she's like, I know, but you don't understand. It's 50-something. I said, I get it. I'm married 30-something years. I get it. It's, it would be the hardest thing to do. And finally, something happened. He got physical one night. And finally, she's like, all right, that's it. We're putting him in a nursing home. And he lasted eight weeks in a nursing home. Now, did that quicken the pace up for him to pass away? Possibly. You know, or was it time anyway? I see her today, and we, we joke because I'm home at 11 o'clock at night you know, watching TV and I'm falling asleep on the couch and she's just coming in. Wow. So she has her friends and her friends have been keeping her busy and everything else. And like, she's smiling and she's like, you know, it's sad to see that your husband passed away, but now you have your life back for the next 15, 20 years. I mean, we don't know. She's, and she keeps saying thank you to me. If it wasn't for me to kind of coach her and be that therapist besides helping her get the money yeah. from Medicaid to protect whatever asset she had, she's not loaded but she has enough now to help get her through what she needs to get through. It's a huge part of it is that guilt of you, you made these vows and you want to be there, but you know inside it's killing you as a caregiver. It can be husband, wife, wife, either way it goes. And to have a third party come in, this way a child's not coming in and go, you know, I think dad should be here, mom should be here. You have that third party and you help with the finances. Yeah. And I know we got to go to commercial break, but before we do, people who get married later in life, second or third families, worth getting married to commingle funds or not yeah i mean it all comes down to their what yes, they have but. 401ks <laughs> Maybe, but. yeah i mean again social security so it all depends upon what what's going on but that's really when the attorney comes in and setting up a trust to make sure that it goes down the bloodlines because what happens is somebody gets married and then what happens if the wrong person dies first the next thing though then they get remarried again depending on age next thing you know the sons or daughters are are out because the money's being passed so that's where the estate planning comes in on whether or not somebody should either get married or not or keep everything separate so that becomes a big deal you have people to help with all of that yep yeah blended families are you always know what fun. scares me more than anything else i'm getting a lot so of that man him and wayne and other i gotta rely on freddie and jill <laughs> <laughs> No, you put a lot of things in place with, with Wayne you did already. I, I had to because they pointed out to me, who's going to take, like, I remember here asking, who's taking care of you? And I go, Freddie and Gio? Wow. That's scary. But that's why you got to put these things in place now, sooner rather than later, so you have all of it. Now, if you don't have children, you can help with maybe a guardianship. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, guardianship's always the last thing that you want to go to because now the courts involve and they help you make decisions and or oh, you yeah. have to go through and get those That's decisions tough, made man. so power of attorney is the key like oh yesterday that's your next book <laughs> power of attorney the family didn't does not have a power of attorney i had to go through guardianship for my son really if you believe that wow wow my uncle passed and left money to my son and my son was not 18. Well, the Jackie Coogan laws kicked in. You can't leave money to a minor. So according to the court, it has to be left to a guardian. My wife and I had to go and take class that was run by the county to become a guardian for my son. Because he was a minor. Because he was a minor. Wait, how do you take a court? That's like the... The priest told me I gotta take a test to get married. So I had to, I had to take a, cor a course to become a proper guardian for oh, my son, who, I have, who we were parents for. 
Yeah, that's and, crazy. And then the, the money had to be put into an escrow account right. for the son, my son, until he returned 18. Mm -hmm. And every year we had, a, we had a, if we had, a, if we wanted to take money out of that account to give my son for anything, we had to petition the court Wow. To allow us to take money out of that account so I can give it to my son. That's, and that was in Florida, right? Because you in were Florida. here. Florida. And every year we had to, had to go to a lawyer, and every year we had to pay a fee to re-establish re our guardianship for That's our son. crazy. Wow. Right. And that could have been solved if the uncle had a trust and left the money into a trust well, for the son. He did. He, did. Yeah, he was just Then that, saying he was just, at this age he gets X, this age. So that would outlive him. You know, the trust would live on as opposed to go through all that. Right. And just, that's just a simple, you know, again, yeah. not that expensive, but just having the right information out there to have something done. People don't realize how expensive it gets as you get older. So you can help people at any age, really. Well, really at 18, I'm just saying at 18, anybody has a son or daughter going through high school, now going to college, they need a power of attorney. Just because you're a parent and your son or daughter goes away yep. and we've seen this unfortunately with all the craziness at colleges the shootings and everything else that if i'm here and something happens in another state or somewhere else i can't call up and say hey i'm brett's dad tell me what's going on no i have to have a power of attorney to be able to find out that information unless i'm there so i got to fly there and deal with it and that's why from 18 and then as you get older you're in your 80s or 90s and as long as you're competent the power of attorney saves a lot of headache for a lot of different reasons. Simple power of attorney. Doesn't that cost a lot. So much information. You know, you go to the hospital and you get sick or so you get sick. If you uh, don't have power of attorney or something, they don't even tell you what's going on. Yeah. Right. Right. And who makes a decision to pull the plug on somebody if there's no power of attorney? State of Florida. It's Not the son or daughter. Case. State of Florida. Famous cases, right? Yep. This right. is just, I'm going to tell you. All right, keep eating. We're going to go to commercial break. <laughs> when we come back, give us a call, 888-994-4995. You get nervous? I see that. Give Paul a call. Give Frank a call. I'm going to see what's going on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you need a strong cup of coffee to get you through your day? Try your very own Brooklyn Cafe Show coffee the official coffee of the Brooklyn Cafe Show. You can pick up a bag from us or two. Contact us at 866-224-5422 or just stop on by. We're at 2400 Northwest Boca Raton Boulevard, Suite 13. Come on in. Grab a bag of our signature Brooklyn Cafe coffee. The cafe doors are always open. Welcome to Amp2TV, the first and only internet production company that's truly plugged in. When you're looking for a full-service internet radio, TV production company, discover Amp2TV. Amp2TV is a full-service media company that can provide all streaming videos, video studios, radio studios, and television studios. Call us today at 866-224-5422. For no business is too small to grow to be accounted. It's time for your message to be seen. Let Ant2TV help get you there. Welcome to Lost Harbor Spirits, a world where pirates inspire our spirits, treasures remain undiscovered, and flavors are infused with the essence of mysterious voyages. 
the distillery became one of the few women-owned craft spirits production sites in the U.S. From our award-winning spirits of vodka and rum to delicious gin, we're always coming up with some new and exciting flavors to keep your cocktails delicious and fresh. Contact Palm Beach Distillery at lostharborspirits.com to take a tour or purchase your favorite spirit at your local liquor store. Imagine this is your money and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. Guess what? They want your money and they can take it, all of it if they want. Remember, they sent you that letter right over here that said, hey, you owe us a bunch of cash and we're gonna take it from you right now. So what do you do? You fight back by letting our team of experts work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. And hey, we're good at what we do. When you hire us, you get a team of guys on your side that know the IRS laws and we'll fight really hard to save your money. So, if you owe the IRS a ton of cash and you want to keep it, call right now and learn for free how we can help you put it back in your pocket. Five minutes of your time right now can save you thousands of dollars. And the best part, it's a free call. So please call right now. Call 800-651-4808. Has your heater busted, computer crashed, appliance broken? Then you need ARW Home. Life's been pretty worry-free since I got covered with ARW Home. Don't waste thousands of dollars on air conditioning, appliance repair, and replacements. Save that money with ARW Home. Protection plans that cover household appliances, systems, and electronics. My air conditioning broke on a Sunday. I called ARW, and they came out and fixed it right away. Get your free quote today. Call or go to ARWHome.com now. Call 877-281-0289. You've been watching the Brooklyn Cafe Show. Join us each day and after hours as we talk about the hot topics to open the conversations and share a few laughs. Now, back to Dawn and Freddie S. I love, check out the oldies, 95.6, 93.9, nope. Close, 95, 95.3, 96.9, 96. you're close though. 1470. You are close. Do you remember the crew put together a political poster for you, Freddie, for president, I voted for myself. I think we should start that campaign up again. I officially signed in my ballot, my name. I think we should start that promotion up again, just create a new banner I for you. I should run. <laughs> you absolutely Listen, I can't do a worse job than they're doing now. Although I'm not sure who they would recognize I hope you afraid. don't do a worse job than they're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know as much as these guys up there, which is nothing. All about the nothing. I got the political commercials, it doesn't matter what side you're, you're for or against, the noise of them, what it does to your energy, it heightens this anxiety. You just hear the, the noise coming out of the television. You just got to turn it off. Turn the TV off. You just got to turn the TV off. Get a book. Start the book club. Yeah, but the problem the problem with turning the TV off, if something's coming, like a hurricane or whatever. You'll find out in an hour. You'll get a beep on your phone. Exactly. It, you know. Or when you turn it back on, they're going to let you know. Your friends will let you know. I'm in the media business. I can't turn it off. Okay. I don't like what I hear. I don't like what's happening in Texas. I don't like what's happening in Parkland. I think that going over and over this stuff, over and over and more over and over, 
It's just getting everybody hostile. I think with the temperature rising above 100, you know, crazy things happen to people when the temperature rises above 100 yep. and you're adding gasoline to it. I think we have bigger problems like climate control. And if you don't want to call it climate control, then call it fires because everything's burning. Italy, we're talking about Italy. The waters um, are down by over oh, but wait, five feet. I think, I think there's a book about that. That is a book about everything. There is, this is the book about everything. This is the book of the plagues, pestilence, vast global disasters, all of this. I hope this has a happy ending. You're living it. Uh, it, it, it can. hints in a happy ending. It ends right before Judgment Day. What year did you write this book? 2007, 2008. Wow. And, and now we are in 22 and things are happening that are in the book. This and, is everything and the, we're living. And the funny thing is that if I tell you I know a guy who wrote about this in 2007, you're going to look at me like I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, but how many TV shows, right, that are from years ago predicted certain things that are happening all the time? Happens yeah. all the time like in TV the shows. Like the, Simpsons. the Simpsons, right? <laughs> how many times have they in the past, right? What do they know about the future? It's oh. true, but the problem I'm having with all of that stuff is that I found it comical. Um, what was the name of uh, Archie Bunker? That whole show was making a statement. Right. Right? Chico and the Man. Oh, again, making a statement. But they weren't predicting plague and then being specific. They weren't predicting about the fires. The Bible states, I think in 24, there was a big ball of fire coming out of Europe or everything else. You know, then you have Putin and some of the things that he's doing and the craziness with him in Iran and yada, yada, yada. But the interesting thing about these books is that if you read them, they were written over 10 years ago. Yep. 2007, 2008. I mean, that's the thing that scares me more than anything else. Um, and now it's written. All of the information is here, but this is it. What do you always say? If we don't learn from our past, we're going to continue to make the same mistakes again. That's Napoleon. Didn't he lose in Waterloo after he went through the same thing in Russia and he lost it again? So, Frank, again? when your editor reads your books, because we're not going to talk to your editor who's over here. Yeah, she doesn't want to talk to Does she give you the feedback of, <laughs> you should change this, I don't understand this, where do these ideas come oh, from, or she one. just edits? No, she will. She has a certain length of time it takes her to edit. It depends on the size of the book, the complexity of the book. And then she comes up with a list of things that need to be addressed. Maybe we'll sit down and address each one. And it's usually, most of the time I just say, well, just change it. I don't need to, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to, if that's what needs to be changed, change it. Change it. But, yeah. Maybe out of a, you know, maybe out of a whole book, we may have a list of maybe seven or eight items that different aspects and different sections of the book that need to be addressed or changed or restated. And it's done. Now, she's only working on the delivery, but not the philosophy, right? She's working on the, yeah. Because you're still your thoughts. She's just yeah, making she's it she's working clear. on the basics, the storyline, yeah. the grammar, the sentence structure, paragraph structure. Sometimes this idea doesn't look good here, but maybe it'll look good three yeah. paragraphs from mm -hmm. now. So, yeah. We talked about that before the show, and I was made aware of how powerful her skills are. All kidding aside, 
Yeah. Because there are books, if you read them, if they don't have the knowledge that she has, the book is all over the place. And it's really difficult, unless you have my brain, to read a book that's all over the place. Um, <laughs> and that's what I think is, is beneficial and the books that you've written because she knows you. So she knows what you're trying to say. And so she cleans it up grammatically and what have you. I think it's just a, a winning combination. Of because a, a writer technically, from the writers I know, a writer is a horrible editor. You just want to get your ideas out. Be no, because you can, write, you can look at something five times and say it's perfect. And someone looks at it and goes, well, that's wrong. That's spelled wrong. This is not right. This is the wrong word. And a, and a, and a writer doesn't, because you don't, you're in the thought, and the thought, you know where your thought's going and where the storyline's going, but you don't look at all the minutia of the thought. And you skip right over it. You won't, you won't, even, you won't even notice it. Because in your head, you know the story. You know what's making sense to you. And you have to deliver the information. Right. You see, I write a book doing this business. And she's the editor. Because I'm all over the place. I would give them 15 different ideas. I even changed the vocabulary, the English vocabulary. <laughs> My son has this thing where certain words mean other things, like a deck and stuff like yeah. that. And they all make fun of me. It's just I'm in the moment. So Dawn is the editor, and she begins to put things in well, place. Well, I'd have to make sure that they all understand what he's saying. Put it on the deck. The deck is a desktop. Put it in a folder. Put it, all these things that make no sense of what it is. A jacket. A jacket, which it's is a really folder. a folder on your deck, which is your desktop. So you got to sort of decipher Freddie language so everyone understands. <laughs> but, Paul, I think the book about your dad's story, your company, would be an amazing book. Oh, it would be phenomenal. I mean, it really would be. I mean, I know that. I mean, there's so many dynamics. I mean, you're talking about four uncles, six cousins. Me, my brother, and my sister, me being the youngest grandchild, going into a business, trying to get any family business to go from the second generation to the third generation is where it always gets cut down. And I try to fix that and try and get it to keep going, even at my young age when I was in the middle of the business. And my dad shot down every idea. You know, and how they started with a push cart, though. I mean, to come to yeah. this country and start with a tomato push cart and grow to King Saul's tomatoes. Yeah. and have on everything that they grew to be is like the American dream, right? That's the story of America yeah. that people hold on to, which I think we've lost a little bit now, but that's the story of, you know, there is hope and perseverance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the family dynamics was just, it was wild. And it's to this Did day. Did you work there? I worked, yeah. I mean, I, growing up, in the every, summer? every holiday or vacation, I used to get up at four or five o'clock in the morning. My dad used to pull me by the hair, throw me in the car, work for the day. Um, and that's when I went to college. My dad didn't want me to go to college. My dad said, Run the um, business. I'll give you a Porsche and don't go to college. <laughs> Run the uh, business. And I said, I'm going to college. And that was just because my brother and sister went to college and I was coming down here at the University of Miami. So my brother came to University of Miami before me, but he then met his wife at Miami and went back into the business. I came down, said, I'm not going back. Met my wife, whose family was down here, didn't plan to go back. And then my brother called me after we got married, living in Boca. Um, we were three years into our marriage. And he said, listen, we're buying out our biggest competitor. Come back to New York. If, here's the time. If you're going to do it, you got to do it now. Here's the what window. What year was that for? That was 1992. And I came home. I remember working out, came home.
And I said to my wife, we're, we're moving. And she's like, what do you mean we're moving? I said, let's get out of here. Whole new life. You never lived in New York. Let's go up, you know, New York and New Jersey. Um, her parents are here. Her old grand, you know, older grandparents are here. Her brother, everything was here her whole life. And she did it for me, really. I mean, because she could have said no, and I don't so know what I would have done. So we did it. So in 92, we moved back to New Jersey, lived there for eight years, um, commuted into the Bronx, two, three o'clock in the morning, and it changed because every cousin worked different hours. So depending upon when they went on vacation, I would take over for them. So I might go to work at five o'clock at night for 12 hours or go in at midnight for 12 hours. It all depends. And that was by Yankee Stadium, right? Warehouse was by Yankee Stadium, and then we had a couple stalls in, in Hunts Point. So that's where we were selling wholesale in Hunts Point. In the Yankee Stadium in 92, I had a business with a partner of mine, and we used to go to Yankee Stadium to pick up, pick up product. So I know, I know that Morris must know your family. I know it for a fact. Yeah. Because he I mean, knew everybody down there. There was a giant beer, beer distributor, a Spanish guy down there, mm -hmm. who got murdered. He used to deliver all the beer to Yankee Stadium. Yeah. This guy was a multi-multi. And one of his employees killed him down there. Um, and we ran to the funeral. We went to the funeral and we ran down there. So there were somebody's in the Bronx. I'm not, I don't know where in Hunts Point you were because that was a whole different... Yeah, but Bronx Terminal Market, which yes. we were first, Huge. My, my dad was a big deal there because this, the city wanted to raise rents and go crazy in the market. And the market, they never took care of it. The city put zero money into the market, which was underneath the Major Deegan Highway right there. I remember that. Um, and my dad said, you know what, we're out. And that's you were right we next to White Castles. Oh, yeah. Right next to the jail. There was a big jail right there. Mm -hmm. um, so I lasted eight years. I couldn't take it anymore. Um, our two sons were born in New Jersey. And I always said to my wife, if you want to come back, we'll go back to Florida. And at that time, it was just turmoil within the family business, a lot going on. And I had about enough. And I said, let's go. So in 2000, we came back. Did they sell the business? Within two years later, um, which I could see the handwriting on the wall. They um, sold it? No, went out of business. Really? Within two to three years after, because it just, we didn't keep up with the times. Um, one of the battles was just giving out credit. And we weren't, we weren't careful with giving out credit. And again, that was my cousins who were doing a lot of the selling, give out credit, guys would disappear, owing us 10, 20, $50,000, you know, um, and it was the, just a mess. The, the mom, the, the families didn't bother you at all? I the what? The families, the... Oh yeah, they were part of it. I mean, that was, there was a whole big, there was a whole big <laughs> scandal that went down in the market that we got caught yep. up in. That was kind of the beginning of the end. Um, before then, um, in the late, late 90s, you can look it up online, what yep. happened in Hunts Point Market, and we got caught up like a lot of other families did. And um, that kind of was the beginning of the end. And I bailed out, I was the first one. I could have stayed to the end, got a paycheck. I bailed out and said, you know what? We're going back to Florida. And then within two, two and a half years, done. Tough to have a business in the day. Yeah. I used to put um, poultry, used to sell chicken and beef and stuff, and they had five and 10 cents a pound. But now look what he does. Now you help families stay together. Yeah. I mean, it was because of my family that I started to do what I did. I mean, right. my, my dad started showing dementia. Um, it was almost 15 years ago. And it was slow-moving dementia. And he said I, he couldn't handle the finances when the stock market was doing its thing in 2007, 8, 9. 
And that's kind of how I created this business, was trying to figure out how to plan for them, which then evolved helping friends and family. And then it just kind of snowballed into that. That's what happens. Yeah. Interesting, right? Ever be a ghostwriter? I've bid on being a ghostwriter. I can do it, but I have no takers yet. I guess maybe I charge too much money. Maybe you have one right now. <laughs> maybe this is the perfect combination here. There's a story that needs to be written. and Well, I'm sure you have stories. Because some point along the, mar the market down there, Yankee Stadium, I mean, you're talking about shaking bacon. They had, um, yeah, but it's how do you deliver that without Well, he's going to deliver it. The situation. editors have to clean it right. up. And um, they had the courthouse on the Grand Concourse. Mm hmm and the borough president had an office on the fifth floor there. Um, and there was a Spanish guy that I met there. What was his name? Oy. It had come to me. Jose? No, it was a Spanish. He was the borough president of the Bronx. And I, I had a meeting with him that was set up by somebody. And she says, don't worry, I got it all under control. I was going to do... Uh, uh, I was going to do FHA loans mm -hmm. for the South Bronx, which was gone. It had disintegrated, fired, whatever. And we came up with a bank plan. So she takes me to meet Fernando or Fernandez, whatever his name was. Mm -hmm. And I go up there and she told me, let me do all the talking. I said, okay. We go up there and she looks and she says, you know, I changed my mind. I'm going to let you run this meeting. I wasn't prepared. Because she said, don't say nothing, I got this and that, that, that. It was supposed to be a two-party meeting. So the guy looks at me, he says, listen, when you get your act together, come back and see me. I've never been so humiliated mm -hmm. in my life. That was the famous court building on the Grand Concourse yeah. by Yankee Stadium. You just reminded me of a story. When I was probably 10 or 12, it was either somebody's either bar mitzvah in my family or a wedding. And we were going to buy the building before we bought the building um, on 163rd Street by Yankee Stadium. We were going to buy one in another part of the Bronx. And I remember, now no cell phones then, so I remember somehow, someway, my dad got a message that this building that we were going to buy, that people didn't want us to buy. But my dad put a deposit and we were going to close on it. And we found out it was on fire. And I can remember right now us driving dressed up. The building? Driving up to the building, the whole thing was on fire. And I think that was probably the most upset my dad I've ever seen him. Wow. Um, but somebody was giving us a message that you're not buying this building. And then we ended up finding this other building. Um, but yeah, I mean, so saying stuff happened. Obviously, I didn't know when I was a little kid. But obviously, when I was working there, you understand how things work. They used to burn buildings. I was on Popham Avenue in the Bronx. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, five or six guys were screaming, get out of the building, it's on fire. And they set the building on fire for the insurance. Yeah. And this was a massive building. I mean, wow. massive. And I know, that's when my mother says, okay, we're moving to the Grand Concourse. <laughs> we went to um, Bedford Park, we moved mm -hmm. to. Uh -huh. and, kids, and kids don't understand these days. I mean, even like my kids, you know, you try to explain to them stories and how you grew up on the streets. Now, I wasn't in the streets of New York City, but working in the family business that was in the Bronx and seeing and dealing with all the people that worked for us and their families and all the situations and everything, all the stories and everything else and people getting stabbed and shot and it was a cash business. So everything that went on, so like I was living it. 
from the time I was little growing up and trying to explain it to my kids, you know, and just having the street smarts. You it's know. different. Florida kids are different. They, they There's just, no, yeah. Frank said, we're just different. We don't, you know, he'll tell me things and I say, what? Right. My father say, what? had a butcher shop on 110th Street in Broadway. And he tells us, he always told this story. He had a, he had a, he had a one-eyed cat that used to stay in his, they used to keep in the cellar of the basement. And the, the cat would keep all the mice and the rats out. So the inspector comes in and says, are you selling food here? You can't have a cat here. My father says, well, how am I going to keep the rats out? How am I going to keep the mice out? Because you got to get it. You got you got You have to get an exterminator and they post a record on them on the wall. We come in and check the record every time he's here. And that's how you get it. But you got to get rid of the cat. Well, it, was a, it was a street cat that they would keep in. So he pushes the cat out. He gets the inspector. Inspector comes in, marking everything, stores full of rats. <laughs> so, so, the, so the, what the, the, uh, the, ex, the exterminator comes in, my father looks at him and goes, I had a cat. I was told to get rid of the cat to get you guys in here. And now I got, and now the, the rats are back. He goes, and you're not getting rid of the rats. He goes, how to get rid of the rats? Goes, the inspector looked at him and said, get a cat. <laughs> That's a true story. That's a true story. Get the one like that. It's just a whole different place. We, my father was, he had three brothers. A Santori Brothers painting company, a contracting company, and they had station wagons, and they used to park in the streets, you know, and they had a shop, and they used to load up the wagons and what have you. The problem was, they kept getting robbed at night. So my cousin Fernand was the warlord of the Ghetto Brothers. So here you go, here go my my four uncle, my uncles, and my father, and they go to my mother's, they go to our house, and there's a spread, they forget about it. And here come all these ghetto brother thugs, gang members. And they hired the ghetto brothers to watch the cars. For, for 12 years, I think, because so, I was 12 when we left. And that was how you did business in the street. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, they gave me an envelope, and they said, go give this to your cousin. Now, Fernand used to have feathers. I was a scary dude, I'm going to tell you. Very scary. And I used to go and take him the envelope. And that was street money to make sure the vans didn't get messed with. You were a runner back then, huh? You were a runner. I was a runner for a lot of people. Frank's <laughs> Army and Navy, too. Yeah. A lot of people. <laughs> but it remembers because I hear you saying these stories and my kids don't get it. Yep. You know, there was street justice in the day. And there were people that would take care of neighborhood, neighborhoods. The timing machines, I went to NYU, they, they showed me how the timing machines actually worked because it made, you needed a job and you know him, you got a job. And you put bread on the table, or there was manure or whatever, it was working. And people don't understand that. It's different now. It's changed. It's, it's changed different a lot. now, big business, everything's changing. So let's have some summer fun. Let's open up this book club. Yeah, we're going to start doing that. We're going to put the, the word out. We call some friends. I'm thinking also of calling mm -hmm. Rochelle. Maybe we do a spectacular up like we did for the uh, West Side Story. Okay. We'll see what she guys cooking because she's cooking all sorts of stuff. All right, there. let's see. Let's give out some information. Paul, how do people reach you and Luhu? Cell phone 954-540-6609. Paul Solomon, PA at gmail.com or go to my website, luhuadvisors.com. 
And I don't think a show goes by where Paul doesn't get a phone call, which I love that. <laughs> it's ringing right now. Right? <laughs> it probably is. Is it? No. <laughs> Susan calling. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Some more to come. And Frank, for your book, while people are getting ready for this book club, you got that one out and ready to go? Mm-hmm. You get my books at Amazon. Uh, I have I, my own author page on Amazon, so you just type in my name on the on Amazon search and you'll reach my page. It's Frank. I use the middle initial A, Rufolo, R-U-F-F-O-L-O. Uh, you can contact me by email, which is my name, frankarufolo at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook. And you can leave a message there. And you can just Google my name on Internet and you'll find me. Stories are unbelievable. Well, Frank's last name has two F's and two O's. But not in together. Yeah, but he has two. So that's really unusual. Why? Because normally you have one and one, but not two F's and two O's. Interesting. So give Paul a call for any information or any help you need with your loved ones right here in Florida. If you live out of state, he can help you here in Florida through Medicaid, VA benefits. Can you help? Does it, can a spouse qualify for VA benefits if... The other spouse is still living? Yes. Yeah. So it's either it's alive or dead. The spouse, still get benefits. The, the spouse can get benefits, again, for home care. I bet a lot of people don't know their spousal VA benefits. I bet you're right. And again, it's with the long-term care aspect of it, the, we'll call it the husband, because it's usually the male back in the day, right. it had to be in during wartime. So it's not just being in the military, but there's certain dates, whether it's World War II, um, Vietnam, Korean War, things like that. I read that Medi- Medicare now can negotiate pricing on prescriptions. It was signed by the president. Yeah, I stay away from Medicare. I That's a whole other matter. All I know is my mom just got a new prescription. It cost me $2,500. So. For what? Some new medication. Then take the old medication. <laughs> so, you know, there's always a new medication, and that's a whole nother day for a whole nother no, 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 show, no, no, no. which is when we need to bring Susan in because that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I paid $50 for an aspirin when Freddie was born. In the hospital? Yep. And I said to the nurse, you're going to charge me $50 for this pill? She says, absolutely. I said, here, take it. I had a headache. I said, you keep it. You need it more than I do. I'll go to the drugstore and buy me a no, no, you don't understand. You got to buy it from here. No, I don't, because I'm leaving. I'm out of here. 50 bucks for an aspirin. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But more to come. I like this little fireside chat we had today. Yeah. Kind of cool. You got educated? I hope everyone else got a little educated. You're going to read a book? Stayed out of the summer heat. The problem is I start books and then I don't finish them, so I really need to, like, dig deep. You know that one habit we talked about this morning of changing? I you need to one actually for one good. carve out that time. I need to turn the TV noise off and actually sit down for that hour and read. That's what I need to do. You can't because you won't have anything to complain about. Wouldn't that be a joy? Wouldn't that be joyful if no one had anything to complain about? Have a great day, everyone. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. We've got Gina Bella coming up later today. And I think we've got Inside Out with Haley. So stay tuned. More coming out of the AMP studios and get ready for our Brooklyn Book Club. Be we'll... seat. Go ahead. Okay. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't be late. Well, that's about it for today. Even though the show's over, the Broken Cafe is always open for business. You're invited to join the fun every day from 12 to 2. If you missed some of the last from today, 
Dawn and Freddy S. will bring you more good cheer next time. You can follow The Brooklyn Cafe on Facebook at The Brooklyn Cafe TV to rewatch every minute of the show. We'll see you next time.